0: Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. Rough trade radio.
1: Rough
0: trade
1: radio. Rough
0: trade radio.
1: Rough trade radio. Rough trade radio. Rough trade radio. Rough
0: trade radio. Rough trade radio.
2: Rough Trade podcast, it's a New York invasion. Ed and Jen from Rough Trade NYC are hyped to take you through some favourite releases from this week and play some baggers. That term will become all more clear in just a bit. Also got a long overdue Bristol focus with a really nice interview with Richard Walsh of 1% of 1 Promotions an artist Hard Records conducted by Sam Durham, Bristol student and friend of Rough Trade. Pretty packed show for you this week then, so to ease you in, here's one from our current album of the month, champions bodega this is actually a live track taken from witness scroll which is the live cd release that you can get exclusively and only when you buy the debut album endless scroll from rough trade i must also mention that we've got an exclusive clear vinyl edition of this so it's a very very decent package indeed you would have heard nigel and i previously speaking about this a couple of weeks ago in the albums of the month special the track I've chosen is Jack and Titanic, which I'm sure many of you who are aware of Bodega would have heard. And I have to say, it was very much a grower for me, but I think it's one of those ones that once it's flourished, you'll kind of be playing it non stop. So, Ed and Jen are up next, but first to the Bodega. <laughs>
3: I'm Ed.
1: Hi, I'm
4: Jen.
3: And we are here today to show you guys how to cook lasagna spaghettiana.
4: That is correct. Oh, I'm so excited.
3: Yeah, I can't wait.
4: Yeah. Um, Oh, wait a minute. Wait, no. No, sorry, no, we're from Rough Trade NYC. Oh, oh, whoops. Wrong notebook. (laughs) 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 Yes, Yes. Yes, we're here to, I don't know what then. I mean, I'm out of ideas.
3: Um, Jen,
4: anything? Jen-a-thing? Yeah,
3: we we can make some spicy hot fire with uh, the music we've been listening to lately. Uh,
4: yes, yes, I'm all, I'm all for it. All right, cool. Yeah, let's do that. So,
3: what fiery flames have been lighting your uh, musical <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> cortex? <laughs> blue, blue, t- blue touch paper. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, as you know by now, I'm a very big fan of uh, Inga Copeland. Mm. She's a, a favorite of mine. Uh hang on, let's make sure that this is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it looks good. We're mm. Rolling well, it's going well. Uh, and she has finally come out with um, a new album called The Smoke under Is her... it
3: under Inga Copeland or Lolina?
4: It's not, you know, she's woman of mystery as ever, it's uh under her Lolina moniker. Um What's
3: your moniker? Other than
4: J- Jennifer. Jennifer
3: okay. I was going to say, that's crazy because mine's Edward. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, if Gen- you ever Gen- see a thing- Jennifer.
3: Yeah, if you ever th- see a thing, book, album, film published under the name Edward, it was me. Oh, right. Yeah. E- okay. Yeah.
4: So that Gashley Crumb, Tiny's thing. That's yeah. It, was mm-hmm. the children being hurt oh, yeah, in that... various kind of macabre, ultimately comical you ways.
3: No, I'm not proud of my past.
4: Wow. Well, no. But what you I, I am- wouldn't have lived if you, had, if you were.
3: But what I am is Edward. Always. We'll yeah, always sorry. have Edward. We'll always
4: Yeah. Anyway, Inga Copeland, <laughs> I suppose. Um yeah, that album The Smoke is I believe as they say on the internet and, and in places like that, uh my jam.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the My that
4: Jam.
3: I think it's actually jam, jam with a B. Like a yeah. door, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, a door a jar, Yeah, A yeah. jam. It's that whole theme there. Yeah. Uh this album is absolutely beautiful. Um I get I don't know a lot of people are saying that they feel it's like her best album yet and it's good to hear that. I don't know I mean I love all of her records so much it's hard for me to say but, but I mean they're all so different. Um but I love that this one it has a kind of strangely sort of jazzier feel to it in a sense like she there's more more kind of you know piano and stuff on it, it showcases her vocals a lot more. Mm. Um because of, like often she has that kind of Sprechgesang style. But vocal. of course. Yeah, of
3: course. It's the first word that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah.
4: the Sprechgesang, that mm, um, yeah. kind of a spoken vocal, or if you will, spokals. Um But this one, she actually kind of you know sings a, a lot more, and it's just, a, I don't know, there's something that, that I love about Curtain's in, in lyrics as well, is that she has like this dispassionate way of, of singing that is also... Uh, very emotionally evocative. It's almost like she kind of sings of the the banality of love, but also kind of makes you feel the you know the uh, the strong emotions that go along with you know that uh, emotion of all emotions, which you
3: know. I think you, love you could, you could is say. super banal. Oh, it certainly can. It's be. just like <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's like mayonnaise Everything. on white bread. Is yeah, right? Yeah. Have I been doing it wrong, Jen?
4: Um, Am I supposed I don't to know, feel, Edward. Oh. I mean, like with. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. one. Okay,
3: maybe if we yeah. play the song, it'll give me an idea of what love is supposed to feel like. Yeah, maybe. This is a very pivotal moment in my life. Oh God. All right.
4: All right. Well, we'll come. Yeah, we're going to come back to that one. Now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the instrumentation as ever is like this strange kind of slithering uh, affair that uh, I don't know. But I feel like she, it's a little more because often she's very spartan and you know it's not going over the top but there's like a little, the sound is a bit fuller on this one mm. um, and it is, yeah, it's just an amazing, beautiful record in every sense So yeah, listeners, you should listen to it it's called The Smoke, <laughs> it's Lolina, L-O-L, like the lol, like the lol.
1: Yeah. and
4: then Ina, like Lolita, you know it's kind of fusing that those two strange poles together Mm. Uh, I love it so much uh, I've waffled on quite a bit about this uh, tell me tell me <laughs> what has been floating your musical boat of late
3: Ooh, um, well speaking of jazzy and piano laced uh, things uh, I've been on a Keith Jarrett kick lately and I know that's not a recent thing but I still feel like everyone should listen to it yeah, I thought um, you were going to
4: say Elton John
3: mm, I oh that's what I meant to what did I say
4: I forget. It, whatever my, it was, yeah. it was a mouth typo. Whatever it is. Just okay. keep, keep going. Yeah. Let's keep um, the
3: flow. But yeah, there's this album by Elton John. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <I was> gonna... <laughs> yeah, like,
4: we can't even go back. No, there. I'm yeah, sorry.
3: Yeah. I, I shouldn't joke about that. Okay. Um, Keith Flint. Yeah. The... Ski <laughs> called him Kenny G earlier. Oh, yeah. Keith Jarrett, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we, we, we Keith Jarrett, amazing that. jazz pianist. Um, he was super influenced by classical, I think. So he... Mm. There's a lot of he he is considered a jazz pianist, but um, but his music is just so so deep and so multi-layered. But yeah, there's this one record called Live in Cologne, or I think it's the Cologne concert, but yeah. Cologne is spelt the German way, so it's K O with the uh, two dots over it that um, make round. it make it look like um, a oh, face. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh L N Yeah. The K o oh, L N concert. Yeah, yes. Um <laughs> Whoa. is is the proper I, pronunciation. Yes um i'm very cultured uh but yeah it was released back in 1975 it's like a it's a mostly imp- improvisational um but i think I maybe it was that old actually man. yeah and then wow. i upon doing some research on it i realized that it's turns out to be the best-selling solo album in jazz history which is pretty That's mind-blowing
1: insane. yeah
3: and the all-time best-selling piano album and we all know sales are everything. Uh, indeed. So yeah, I with mean, that said, yeah, like, it's yeah. um, it's gorgeous. I, I don't I know if we can actually play a song from it because they're quite long. They're like right. four we different. Pro-
4: unfortunately, we probably can't. But
3: that's just my plug for yeah. what I've been listening to a lot lately. It's really beautiful. The there's this very natural reverb on the piano that make it mm. sound that makes it sound kind of like shimmery. I don't know, it sounds like it's both underwater and in outer space at the same time. It, you gotta listen to it, it's beautiful. De-
4: based on that description alone, yeah. I need to I can't believe I've never, like, I think I have, I mean, uh, we would listen to it earlier mm-hmm. I was sort of swimming in and out, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um,
4: but I've never like sat down with it, and uh, it's been what I've been very curious about for a while. So, yeah, and so that particular you. record... Thank you, Edward, for bringing You're that welcome,
3: in. Jennifer. Um, yeah. That particular record, too, has a pretty interesting story behind it. I don't want to butcher it, so I'll just give you the summary, but yeah. he showed up to the opera house that he was performing at, and they basically had gotten the wrong kind of grand piano, so it was like a oh, baby God. grand how and it was you, slightly out of tune. I don't know, man. It was the '70s. You had it, one job. It, I don't know, man. Piano man. Yeah, or woman, whoever yeah, indeed, was in charge yes. of it. Yeah, but yeah. but yes, I was, I was
4: thinking of Billy Joel there.
3: It was. I think it was Billy Joel yeah. that was in charge of getting Keith Jarrett's piano, and he messed it up. It that was that was the decline of Billy Joel's career. This is all factual. Funny. Yeah. yeah um, this is a very j- educational. This is your gen ed,
4: educational,
3: ge, educational podcast, right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but he basically he made who do says with. We
4: don't need no education.
3: <laughs> I don't know who says that. <laughs> somebody, it's a, I've never heard that line have. before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mental note. Yeah, Go that, that so would make much, a really so good much lyric. To remember today. Yeah, that'd be a great lyric. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, uh, he basically made do with a piano that was not sounding the best and not. Uh, fully functional and up to par oh, that's so, so
4: great I it, it actually that,
3: influenced man. the way that he played because he stuck to the middle octaves because the pedal wasn't working well for the bass notes oh. and the um, the higher notes were really tinny like that kind of thing so it's just a uh, super masterful and just sort of a bit tinny <laughs> I think that's Wow, yeah, that's exactly, I think, what I, he said. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. I, I'm not as familiar with his music, but I can do a you, mean Jarrett yeah, impression.
3: Yeah, you have that. Wow, yeah. you had me fooled. But yeah, so that's my um, old school suggestion for now.
4: That's, well, I, I think we're off to a very strong start there. Um, well, sort of moving moving into the... The,
3: the, the, the 21st the, century.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a... There's, there's a, another another thing that has been uh, that you've been
3: yeah. kind of rocking on recently. I love, I, I have we'll this, a like, bit about that. I have this reputation now. I'm a yeah. huge fangirl for this band, Bimbara. Mm. Um, they're out of, I, I actually, I don't know if they are from, if they formed in Brooklyn or I feel what. Like they, yeah. yeah, but they are, they are based here in Brooklyn at the moment and they have a couple records uh, prior to this one that just came out in April which is called Shadow on Everything um, but I actually have a funny story about Bambara I was <laughs> that, that is good right yes. <laughs>
4: uh, yeah
3: uh, I'm also a comedian so I, yeah well yeah, I, I know um, yeah a triple threat um, yeah I don't know what the other two things are. But
4: I, well, they'll they'll make themselves apparent in due course. I'm sure. Right.
3: Yeah. Um. But yeah. So uh, I was. I missed them twice in one week while being in the same while. <laughs> I'm not smart. Whilst being in the same building as them. So the first time was for their album release party at Alphaville which right. I was DJing oh, the front funny. room oh, during Oh I, I was so, there yep. it's amazing Thank you Yeah, yeah. so I, I missed the show because I was out front um, while they were back in the venue playing and then they played here on Record Store Day Yeah our favorite day Indeed. um they Everyone's played favorite. they played like an early set that day while I was working the shop so, uh, missed them twice in like a week. Um. Did you miss that? I don't know. Yeah. But I just kind of heard this like, I heard, I heard this birthday party esque. Right. Right. Sound wafting through the air. And, uh, yeah. And I was dancing up a storm out here cause I could hear just enough to like groove out to it. And so yeah, Bambara shadow on everything. Awesome. I've since seen them twice. They put on an amazing live show. Um, I think one of my first tracks is, uh, my first one of my, <laughs> 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 yeah. just me lose my train of thought. Sorry um, about that. No, it's okay. Um, it's a runaway train. Yeah. Uh, the first track, dark, dark circles, really great. The whole album's noisy, punky. It's got a little bit of psychobilly in it with like the yeah, steel guitar. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's basically the epitome of my outfit right now, which is I'm wearing a black Sabbath t-shirt with, uh, Straight up dungarees. And it's, yeah, I think that's nice like, that he, that this is, put them dungarees yeah, with this is, in yeah, I think f- this is, this is the perfect outfit that you would find me dancing at a Bambar show.
4: I can, yeah. yeah, I can see it. Uh,
3: but anyway, if you guys get a chance to see them live, highly recommend it. Thrash about. Um, um, thrash Michelle. Uh, yeah. So on to more. So we're working our way forwards in time. Yeah. Slowly, but surely. <clears throat> so.
4: Don't call me Shirley.
3: So, so <laughs> I would never do that, Jennifer. Um, yeah. So we were just talking about the new Internet album, mm-hmm. which is highly anticipated, coming out this Friday, July twentieth.
4: Yeah. Twenty
3: eighteen.
4: Much uh, anticipated, and it, it de- I mean, it def- definitely, you know, has a. I mean, it's not a radical departure from from the previous album. But honestly, I don't think that's uh, too bad. Yeah, any. they kinda... broke <laughs>
3: um You know what they say. Yes, they if do. If it is not broke,
4: um, you know, three singles off of that. The one of them, ladi da, and it, I, I've always wanted to know, do you, do you have the expression? Does the ladi da? Does that expression mean the same thing over here? Uh,
3: uh, in, in, what does it mean in, to you? in Britain,
4: where I'm not from? Um,
3: yeah, you're from like oh, forget Texas. It, forget about
4: yeah. Um. It means uh, something that's yeah, it's kind of fancy
3: in mm. like a sort of like, yeah, more in, or less yeah,
4: and it's, it's an indulgence. Be like, oh, you know, kind of a, I'm getting rock tonight. I don't even know if that's how you
3: pronounce rock Is that
4: how you pronounce it? Syrup. Uh, rock. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> no, too it... posh for me, lads. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, instead of Smirnoff tonight, that would be like, oh, Ladi da uh-huh. argh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, old Jennifer getting a yeah, getting a rock on. <laughs> you know, that'd be a bit. You know la-di-da. me. Is that, is mm-hmm. it, yeah, similar? I've yeah, never been quite less. sure. Um, anyway, that one is is okay. I think probably the, the, the best one, like, I think, uh, uh-oh, that's happening again, uh, is uh, Come Over, or what's the other title? Burbank Funk, I believe?
3: Yeah, Raw. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
4: sorry, not Come Over, that's
3: Come Over is good I'm too. That's the one that I heard first. Yes, yeah, that is
4: good. But Roll, I think, is like the real. Yeah, you because know, it's got that, it's got that really infectious, like funk bass line. Yeah. Uh, really kind of, you know, jumps about. And uh, I really like the vocal effects on it as well. It's, there's something a little more kind of murky, a little bit more um, nebulous about that, where it's like, you know, kind of reverb laden and this kind of. I don't know. I mean, I like it when, you know the synth vocal was kind of pop out the mix more but uh, as well but this one is this it has something a little other about it which i i really like
3: yeah i was dancing around i think only those three tracks have been released but yeah. i was dancing around my room listening to it and i was wondering if certain <laughs> this thought crossed my mind that it would be kind of cool to uh write backwards and like start with a dance of some sort or like with oh, a then... body groove and And then then write write the thing that accompanies that or makes you want to do it yeah because I was listening to it yeah should we try that sometime we should yeah because I was just listening yeah I feel like what you're saying about the grooves is like I noticed that a lot of the guitars have this super percussive kind of like angularity to them that makes it feel like Yeah. yeah it drives the rhythm forward I really appreciate that
4: um, I mean, I love, you know, I'm a huge fan of like spidery guitars. And, like, yeah. Those, you know, just that. I mean, they, they call it like chicken scratch, I think was the term for it in funk guitar. Oh, okay. Because uh, yeah. it, it has that sort of, it sounds, I guess it's said to sound, you know, be reminiscent of a chicken kind of clucking or whatever, which, uh, I don't know. Which sounds yeah. kind of, I don't know, like a little bit ridiculous. In There's ways, nothing but, ridiculous but, about chickens. No, well, definitely not. I mean, I never said that. Okay, yeah. I yeah. never said that.
3: Good because I was about to have to turn this thing off yeah, and yeah. deal with well, this we outside. Got, we came
4: very, very okay. close.
3: There. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay. All right. No, I have. Um, yeah, getting back on track. Speaking of murky and nebulous, though, um, that makes me think of a, a release that just came out. Uh, that's going to be our cassette, uh, new and uh, Rough Trade NYC's cassette of the month next month um, by the Beat Detectives, um, and it has a really long title, which I think I'm probably going to bugger up now. So let's just call it uh, NYPD Records Volume Two. Okay. And it's this uh, incredible, like nebulous uh, kind of dub confection that's like a, kind of sounds a little bit like uh, you know that that Tapes album. that... I used to play incessantly until everyone kind of borderline hated it. Um, a couple of years back, and the Jartari label—it's like that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of digital dub, but it's like it's kind of quite lo-fi, and you know, it's just like has a real kind of yeah, like yeah, work to it. Um, but it's kind of shot through with like these strange, like kind of police radio samples, and like, uh, there's there's the sort of an underlying political feel to it, um, Sick. which is. Uh, definitely in, you know, it's it's a real chart. it's 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 great i'm very excited for this so. cool
3: what's your yeah. favorite track on it do you
4: have one honestly i couldn't say okay like the it's 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 sort of the way i mean it does have individual tracks it's like a 12 track thing but it, it's like it's almost like a piece that kind of blends together it's sort of it, it should be experienced as one i would say um Beautiful. but I don't know. We've done a, a lot of rambling uh, so far. Maybe it's time to um, to kind of uh, you know hand over the baton to the the music uns.
3: Le music And, music
4: and music. themselves. Uh, why don't we uh, give something a little spin? Yeah. What do you fancy?
3: Ooh. Uh, I mean, should we play the stuff that we talked about? Maybe. Is that a good idea? Yeah, I think it, it might. Let's let's give
4: it a <laughs> shot. Let's start. Let's start with the, with some of that and see how it goes. And if not, we can just interrupt it right in the middle. All right. How does that sound?
3: Yeah. Uh,
4: how about the internet?
3: Yeah, let's do it. Let's play roll.
4: It's. I think it's got to be roll. Yeah. Yeah. All
3: right.
4: Let's get roll in. Jubbly. I've been
3: banged. Oh dear. Oh.
4: S- s- mm. y- yes. Well, it was a it was a bang at the song. Yeah, by the, yeah, the song. By the, a yeah, the banger. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that you know. I mean, that's that's its purpose. Yeah.
3: Surely, I'm Ed. Surely.
4: And I'm Jennifer. And uh, you're listening to the Rough Trade the Gen- podcast. Ed. Yeah. You're General
3: doing. Education Podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Get Jeducated. That was uh, the internet. There, the band's not the uh, the thing in the world. Uh, With their amazing new single, Roll, um, parentheses, Burbank Funk. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of July 20th new releases, um, and I guess we've had something brand new, and there is also a reissue uh, that I'm very, very excited about. uh, Can I guess what it is? uh, No. Oh, goodbye. No, okay, go ahead.
3: (laughs) Is it... Arthur Russell. Yes! Woo! That
4: was a good guess. Bruh. I feel like I can't talk about it now.
3: That was it. You the, my we bubble. just divided the universe by zero, and now we can just go home. Let's not, well,
4: I'll say a few words about
3: it. Okay, maybe. let's but talk uh, about Arthur Russell. I've been
4: immersed in, uh, if you'll forgive me, uh, the world of Arthur Russell, um, which is what the issue is called. Uh, on You're Soul forgiven. Jazz. Thank you, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so much to say about Arthur Russell, like, it's, you know, we It's hard to really kind of condense anything here, but this, of course, he was you know just you know prodigiously talented, um, you know kind of genre hopping, genre defining um, legend of you know the the New York downtown scene for many years, and this compilation is uh, you know kind of like gets the the cream of the crop of his amazing like kind of. Disco dance crossover stuff, which is some probably some of the best music I think I I've heard yet. It's uh, like he really does. It's got some
3: remixes on it, right? It does. Yeah, Yeah, this
4: one is. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it has some of his like more like stripped down kind of uh, compositional stuff with just him and, and the cello. Um but there's like uh like Francois um, remixes on there um it's like there's like a bunch of classic tracks and there's the Larry Levan remix on there um so it's like some well known of like of his kind of dance tracks from um, from the 80s mm. uh going into the uh, early 90s but the uh, some like alternate versions and, I, and there's also like a, some extra stuff on there as well um and it's the whole thing is just. Beautiful and like I know a lot of people will kind of have a problem with Arthur Russell's voice. Some of them say he sounds like Kermit the Frog, <laughs> yeah. Which somebody said that when I was playing there, uh, playing around uh, my house the other night. And then, of course, I'd never, weirdly, I'd never thought that before. But then, as soon as he said it, it was like that's all I could hear. But honestly, <laughs> like I don't, this sounds kind of corny, but his voice to me really, I mean, for somebody who was so preoccupied with nature and you know the outdoors and. Bodies of water and so forth. Like his voice does really remind me of watching a bird kind of swooping and diving yeah. in, in a clear sky. I like oh, love really that. That's beautiful. That for, for me.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I I like as you know, and as most people know, I'm not a huge fan of dance music or right. you know, like even disco. I'm like kind of on the fence about sure. a lot of the time. Um, but I I love Arthur Russell. I love. The experimental sort of like avant garde uh, elements that he brings to those genres that are otherwise somewhat inaccessible to me personally. Right, right. Um, It's really, it's always interesting, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, yeah.
4: Well, for a much more, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, there's such a, you know, I mean, not so much now, finally, but, you know, certainly for a a very, very long time, like a much maligned genre as disco. Like, he really, you know, brought something to it that's you know could have <clears throat> like brought uh, you know, as I said, the avant-garde and I guess it many people's eyes a sense of sophistication to it, whilst retaining the really important elements of disco and, uh, and just you know having those hooks and keeping mm-hmm. you know kind of his feet firmly planted on the dance floor whilst taking his head into these kind of strange ethereal directions and yeah, you know, the effect yeah. is just gorgeous. So say we why don't we play one from that let's do it yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go gonna go big and since we played a banger last time uh, let's let's do it again and this one is go bang <laughs> I want to go If ever there was a more appropriate title for a song in this universe, I don't want to know about it.
3: I d- there isn't, so you're in luck. That's there's very nothing loving. of which you do not I, yeah, need to
4: know about. I went out on a bit of a limb there, but uh, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Uh, Arthur Russell as Dinosaur L, absolutely beautiful. July twentieth yeah. to rip snorting releases.
3: This summer is going to be.
4: I don't know what it's going to be now.
3: Yeah. Like,
4: the, the, it's,
3: it's going to be hot
4: and out. dirty. Yeah. And, you know, full of. Well, I nearly said something terrible there. But
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good thing you guys can't read lips where you are.
4: <laughs> oh, dear. I think it might be time to sign off at this point. Okay. Um, uh, now that we've done our whiffling and waffling. So, so... remember, everybody, this is Rough Trade Radio Podcast. And Um, uh, I'm I'm,
3: Ed. Oh,
4: no, please. I'm Ed. And I'm Jennifer. And And together, you need to get get educated.
3: Bye. Bye.
2: Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye,
1: bye. Rough Trade Radio.
2: Big thanks to Ed and Jen and their banging appearances this week. Next up, and Sam Durham caught up with Richard Walsh of 1% of One Records and Art is Hard Records for this brilliant piece from the Rough Trade podcast.
0: I grew up in this seaside town called Weymouth, okay. and not much happened there at all. And during the mid-noughties, I'm 29 now, so that was 12 years okay.
5: ago. I get the, I get the gist now.
0: There was uh, that burgeoning, like indie, like resurgence, basically, uh, of all like, monkeys, blah 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 blah. So I would run around the southwest. The, the nearest city that I could go to to watch really good bands uh, was Southampton. And that was, like, two hours on the train, and it was such an effort. And we would stay, like, overnight in Southampton, not in a hotel or anything. We would just, like, camp outside the venue and, like... uh, The DIY way. Yeah, the bands would kind of take pity on us because we'd be sat outside, like, like the tour bus. One time I came to Bristol, my first ever trip to Bristol, to see Less Than Jake, like, that horrible pop-punk band. I must have been, like, 16 and it was like 2 a.m. in winter and we'd just sat outside their tour bus and uh, they would bring out like crisps and stuff like that. Well, at least you got to meet the band. Yeah, it was an interesting way to meet the band, having them take pity on us. So there weren't uh, any bands that would come to Weymouth, our little seaside town very much off the map. So sort of I took the initiative to contact bands and say, hey, do you want to come play? Because there were, there's like hundreds, literally hundreds of pubs in Weymouth because during the war it was like a naval town. Uh, and people would come up from all over and settle there and people need to drink. So we Obviously. would have all these pubs with all these stages and, and great acoustics that would be untapped, unused. So I, uh, I did many shows there. It's how I got to meet David from Artists actually because he's from Weymouth as well and he had this band called I Am You. You can look them up. And Should they're... I do it? Is
5: it worth it? Oh,
0: it's, it was, you know, like uh, New Rave. It was like pre-New Rave okay. when people were trying to figure out Guitars with synthesizers again, because it had been done, you know, in the 80s and died out in the 90s, and then there's that sort of like cringy resurgence. It was just before that. We're talking like
5: Claxons. Yeah, yeah, that that the kind of band.
0: Both were doing that. Not as clever as the Claxons' music, but way more clever uh, lyrically. Like it was sort of like a protest. His band, I Am You. It was I exclamation mark am you all one word so like it's perfect like mid noughties indie it's just like all lowercase exclamation mark yeah would would
5: one percent of one put them on today
0: um (laughs) 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 definitely (laughs) i tried like i tried to get david to start a new band whilst i've been in bristol but he he's working full time and doesn't have much have much time for the music anymore
5: And, and when you moved to
0: bristol which was last year yeah i moved here last january and where were you before that london I, yeah, I worked with this promoter in London for about three or four years called Bird and Wire. And when I first started there, they were very much... So it was the two people, Tim and Clemence that ran Bird and Wire. And they occasionally had interns come in and out, but I was the first employee that they took on. So I was, like, juggling advancing. That's where you, uh, like, sort out all the logistics for a show, where it comes from, like, sorting out scheduling and making sure that the venue have the info and the bands have all the info, to marketing just generally like mopping up everything I could do so you, invoicing you learn everything
5: you needed to know really
0: it was like this hyper intense like three or four year course of just yeah <laughs> just being chucked in the deep end of everything and like I didn't have much time to really I sort of blagged my way into it a little bit because I said yeah I run a record label luckily the person that employed me had heard of that label he was from Bournemouth and uh, yeah so it was like the Dorset thing we had going on and, uh, yeah, the other, the other woman, Clemence, uh, she was fantastic. She's, like, I admire her so much, uh, but she was, she's very much, like, get on with it. So I had to just get on with it and, yeah, learn everything. Like, no one really showed me what to do. Just pick it all up and, yeah, deep end. And then you moved to Bristol
5: with all this knowledge. Was it with the intention all along to start being a promoter in Bristol?
0: It was kind of on a whim because david moved here david co-creator of art is hard he moved here i think it was 2013 around the same time when i moved to london he got a job in marketing and of course we were still juggling the label full time so i'd come here once every couple of months and we'd try and coincide it with a show or something and i'd noticed that the shows the artists that they put on weren't really handled in the same way that i'd be doing it in london and we would bring all of these like fantastic artists from America and Australia and New Zealand, all of these places and they wouldn't really stop at Bristol and we didn't know why. So I, thought, I spoke to a couple of people, uh, agents and managers and bands themselves and I said, you know, if I set up a little uh, outlet in Bristol, do you want to work with me? And it was a very positive response. So uh, yeah, I just bought it down here and like basically the Bird on the Wire model I took to Bristol and heave-hoed right into it. So you,
5: you went to London, mined them for all their knowledge exactly, and then brought it to Bristol for yeah. the better. Yeah, I didn't have
0: the intention of of uh, of doing that, I, yeah, just when I was coming back and forth. It just made a lot of sense because Bristol has so many fantastic venues and a great um, heritage and it does have a really good music scene. and. You know, there's so many DIY people that are doing things, but I thought maybe I could give a good go at doing something, like, as, as hard as I could and making it a full-time operation and and just, like, going for it, basically. And
5: you recently decided that you weren't going to be part of Art is Hard anymore. Mm. I'm sure you and Dave
0: are still great friends. Still good buddies, yeah. What was the decision behind that? You're now doing 1% of one full-time. You know, I love Art is Hard and I, I love what we managed to achieve. When I When I left, we'd been doing it for eight years and considering... We first uh, coined the idea when I started promoting in Weymouth. So that was like 12 years ago. And we used it as a platform for those um, South Dorset, South Coast artists, because, again, there was no music scene down there whatsoever. So we started promoting, made a label to do that. We officially started it when I entered my 20s. And I get to my end at the end of my twenties now and it's tough because we don't ever make any money from it and I really want to invest myself into music still because I love working with new artists and I love music in general. Like going to shows and everything is never a chore. It's always a pleasure. After this I'm gonna go see which Elm at Friendly Records just because they're buddies. Like I've known them for like three months and they're just really good friends already because they have the same passion as I do and they're like seventeen. So yeah, it's not something you really lose, but putting so much time and effort into Art Is Hard was really tough. And I thought if I'm gonna make a go of something and keep it going, then I want to invest all of my time into 1% at 1%. So Dave is gonna keep Art Is Hard going for now at least and use it as a platform for new emerging artists from all over the world and Bristol artists as well. Like he just put out Emily Isherwood, who used to be Nugget, her new single, and I think they're gonna do an EP or something as well. Yeah, it was really tough to say goodbye but uh, I have so many fond memories. It's it's still still a place in your heart. Yeah,
5: absolutely. Um, Another thing I saw in that Bristol Live magazine interview, which I thought needed to be delved into a bit deeper, was you said the best and worst thing about Bristol musically is that everyone knows everyone. Yeah. So (laughs) do you think there's a risk of it becoming sort of a bit of a closed-off clique, or can everyone knowing everyone be used for sort of better ends if you know what i'm saying
0: kind of both i i wanted to give a slightly humorous answer because the questions that they pitched what's the worst thing about bristol that's such a negative question to ask so i thought you know if i tie it in with the best thing of bristol it's weird because we were chatting just before you clicked record about the word scene and what it means and what it can contain and you know like it, when it comes to a music scene yeah so Bris- bristol within what's happening in bristol only bristol people really care about it and it's about flexing outside of that circle and not pinning yourself down too much and i think everyone's becoming kind of aware of that bristol's like opening its gates a little more like i've been here for a year and 4 months and I've just watched it flourish, not just DIY promoters coming in from elsewhere, but like bands going on to play London and other cities going on tour with fantastic artists, and I really think this is like, and I don't know if it's coincidence, I guess it is, because there's no way that I'm leading this almighty (laughs) new mob with a torch up front. I think everyone's just like hyper aware that there's so much talent and so much potential in Bristol everyone's spreading their wings and getting really excited at exactly the same time. So it feels like a new, a new chapter for Bristol. Yeah,
5: and London's community, I think, probably has... Well, the fact it's London means it mm. has a tendency to be kind of bracketed into these scenes. When you were there, did you notice that? Did you think it held people back? It meant that certain people did well when others didn't? And in comparison to Bristol, is there less of that kind of attitude in a way?
0: I'd say Bristol's a little bit slower, which is a positive and a negative thing because you still have time. If you look at a band like Idols, they were a band for five years in Bristol just playing the same venues for like five years. And they were very lucky that they managed to get picked up because they're a fantastic band. And when it comes to London, London moves so much faster. You know, you get spit up and chewed out way quicker. Where Bristol, I think, to bring back Witch Out, they're playing so many shows and they're biding their time at the same time. Where if you play loads of shows in London... The music industry has seen you they've seen your first shows and they dismiss you they're like oh you know I know what that is so then a lot of bands go away and they create new projects that's why a lot of bands I'm thinking of Shame who are a very lucky example of a band that are brand new they're kids who have gone on to succeed on their first project and that's amazing but usually you have to be in like two or three bands in London and a lot of people get jaded and move away or move on from trying to make it when they're actually fantastic musicians because Certain parts of the music industry have made an assertion or made made a judgment about them when it's not necessarily correct.
5: I just think that makes Bristol a better city in terms of you kind of learn your trade and then you could potentially move on to London if you need to. I remember I read an interview with Girl Ray, who I know that you're good pals with. They said that they used to play all their gigs under a different name when they were a bit sloppy or whatever, and they said they changed their name. And had girl go right when it was like right these shows matter we need to impress these people
0: yeah I don't think they really told anyone they were doing shows because when they started out they were like 16 I remember hosting one of their first shows in London it was supporting um, Fake Laugh and it's quite nice because Fake Laugh went on to support their last headline tour so it's sort of come back around and I'm, I wouldn't say they're terrible they were just super endearing and the sloppiness was all part of the package and it's not that they were sloppy on purpose it, again it's that whole thing about learning you, you have to get out there and you know, uh, figure out how to play life, how to get in front of 50 people and sing. Mm. Because when yeah, you obviously c- it must be nerve-wracking. Yeah, it yeah. really is, and I, I think when people go to see a band, they expect the absolute premium. It's really hard to get on stage and yeah. do something like that and and really give it your all every night if you're going around on tour all the time. Yeah, it's it funny, really like tricky.
5: Band like Tropic, for instance. Or like I've seen them a million times. And sometimes they'll come off and be like, oh, I thought we were a bit sloppy. And I was like, I
0: thought that was really good. Yeah, it's so, like, yeah. It, I kind of like the sloppiness in a band because it's, it's again, goes realistic. back to... Yeah, it makes yeah. it like, you experience this, this, you know, they probably won't be sloppy in that song again because they'd be like, whoa, okay, we need to tighten up that bit. And, you know, you you caught your own unique moment with that band. You connected, yeah, if they were a bit rough around the edges. You all know that and you all had your moment together. Tropic show last week was great as well. Like, it's so much fun watching these new bands just come into their own.
5: Because they're, they're doing loads of support slots now. I can't yeah. I can't run onto to every single one. So when I do see them, I'm like, OK, it's, this is going somewhere.
0: You know what? This whole... The show that you put on last week, four bands, fantastic new bands, and it's this kind of energy in Bristol that's making me fall back in love with music again. Not that I ever fell out of it, but um, there's like passion in young bands people that are figuring everything out that just makes you go fuck yeah sorry I can't swear no it's um, fine it's fine (laughs) uh, you know just and and connect with people again in these tiny rooms and you're all sweating the same sweat I don't know it (laughs) sounds freaky but uh, I guess it is in a way
5: yeah and yeah about the sort of proliferation of new promoters we've got Spinny Nights yep. Gravy Train yep. Pop or Not wax Slacks Yeah like, see I'm not even naming them all
0: You know I'm so excited yeah. There's the whole thing of like rivalry I met up with Miles Gravy Train last week and I slipped him a word rivalry as a joke and he was like oh I don't think of us as rivals I don't either but it's just so much fun to like be absorbed uh, within a change of movement. When I first got here last year, Gravy Train was basically just starting. Wax Lacks didn't exist. Pop or Not didn't exist. You had promoted one or two shows yeah. yourself in the past. And now everyone is running around, putting on so many shows, you know, there's not enough nights in a week. Um, I made a group the other day. No, Bristol di- DIYery. Yeah, I saw this. To try, and, um, to try and, like, not butt heads with all the promoters. So there's this fantastic new collective called Eat Up. And I accidentally uh, went in for a show the same night as they went in for a show and I ended up getting the date and I felt so bad because they're, they're trying to do a great thing as well. There's so many great promoters in Bristol and I think we should all unite, basically. Like, maybe do a big event next year, next spring or something yeah. and just, like, rather than be, like, Wax Slacks and Fresh Juice and 1% of One Presents, just be, like, just call it something and all have a little stage each and just have this massive jamboree and I think it'll yeah. be so much and fun. And maybe
5: then Bristol would be like, whoa, there, there's some serious manpower behind the Bristol... And woman power. And the whole power, yeah. <laughs> What a problematic phrase, manpower. That's a yeah. whole other interview. <laughs> power in general. I wanted to ask about NME's recent demise in print form. Yeah. Finally withered away after a few years being a freebie. Do you think over your time being involved in DIY music... The way people source music has changed. I feel like in a lot of people's lifetimes, there'll have been a point where they were like, "Right, I'm gonna like cool music now. Yeah. I'm not gonna accept like the mainstream." And maybe for a lot of people, NME was that gateway. What do you see as the future of that? Do you, do you worry for the future of music publications at all?
0: That's. I think that's a debate that needs to be had, and no one, no one can really. Uh, determine what the future of print magazines is. Yeah, I kind of worry when it comes to someone or, or publications like DIY and Dork. They built like fantastic online uh, readership, and they do uh, very innovative things. Well, not innovative, but they sponsor tours, and you know they're very visible. I don't know how actually DIY are always at the forefront of. You know, campaigns and keep their finger on the pulse. I'm kind of confused about how a kid will source music these days. Mm. Would it be through Spotify playlisting? Like when it comes to a band like, uh, who was it? I can't remember what they're called. The Magic Gang supported them last year and I'd never heard of them. Not Circa Waves they were called something else Well, I
5: think Magic Gang did support Circle they waves. did yeah 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 um, I'm wondering who it is as well now
0: Sundara no, Sundar Karma was it that Sun, yeah I'm wondering like they are so popular and I yeah. hadn't heard of them and I like to think I'm pretty good at keeping my finger on the <laughs> pulse how do kids find out about these bands mm. like I have no idea you know, I think there's kind of a divide between the bands that get sort
5: of absorbed by, like, the front cover of DIY and they're being played on Radio 1 every day on, like, some kind yeah. of new music playlist. And then there's the bands who are doing it sort of old-fashioned way, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I guess my head's still kind of in the old-fashioned way. I'd be very interested to see where print does go. I was, you know, a lot of people mocked the Demise of the Enemy. I was really sad because, you know, i still in my mum's house. She wants me to clear out my cupboard of old enemies like, stacks high, and I don't want to because yeah. it's just such an important part of me... And how I found myself uh, as a person and within music and you know th- yeah the enemy went kind of a rubbish direction towards the end but a lot of people lost their jobs and uh, you know it's kind of a sad thing to see I feel bad saying that it withered away now but maybe that's <laughs> no, it's, it, it did wither did away
5: because it was the decision to become a freebie yeah, and, and they, then it was just like well that's not viable anymore
0: you know they, they took direction of a lot of Festivals. Like, Reading Festival is now sort of like a a pop and, uh, I, I, I don't know... Bizarre
5: melee of music, I think, every year at Reading and Leeds.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But when I... My first Reading in 2005, it was, like, headlined by the Pixies, Foo Fighters and I, Maiden, and... Uh, like it, you you look at the lineup and it kind of knew what it was, yeah. but now it's very like it's it was like Reading Rock
5: Festival, right? Yeah. But it now was. you'll have like Post Malone subheadlining, yeah, who I love, but it's just a weird like. Mix. I, so they're trying to pull everyone in.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like if it, if they don't really know what to tap, mm. basically, so they're just chucking everything in and hoping that it sticks, and I guess it does and it works for them now. They have kept that model going, kept that format going. Um, yeah, I think everyone's just generally a bit confused about the future of music especially established publications like the enemy you know just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks putting you know i think their first free magazine was rihanna on the cover rihanna's a badass artist yeah. but i you know i wouldn't ever see her being on the front of the enemy yeah you know that was channeling through the 60s 70s 80s 90s guitar bands basically and i think that's quite narrow-minded of me Maybe, but you know that's what it was, it and was it knew what the it was. Case.
5: Like for instance, i like when I feel like I first delved in, it was bands like Palmer Violets, right? First coming through, and it was like they're on the front of Enemy, they're super cool now. Big deal. And now they've made it exactly, and, like, yeah. Peace or someone like that, who have yeah. sort of sadly gone off the ball a bit, but again, when they were on the front, it was like big deal, yeah. But now there's not really that kind of big thing like what legitimizes you as like a big band to look out for now, apart from
0: just loads of hype. I think there's there's maybe. For BBC like getting getting yourself heard through the BBC like Kate Stapley did a BBC introducing session not very long ago and I was like okay that's a big deal like the fact that people still aspire to be on the BBC uh shame of playing Jules Holland next week and getting on six music getting six music play I think is vital to to hit a large ballpark of old people who, older generations still have,
5: have that kind of Enemy guitar band. Yeah, you know they—they they love the Smiths, yeah. but
0: they love Ray right? You know that—that's yeah. that's how they access that kind of. Arguably, content. the festival dad. Festival dad. <laughs> who were always is vital the... to
5: filling out gig rooms across the city. I
0: couldn't
5: put on heard. shows
0: without festival dads. Yeah. You know, like when I'm putting on an artist that does have six music play, I thank God for festival dads. Yeah. Because they're the ones that. Like, I think I aspire tickets. to be one. Oh, I we're all going to be... If I don't cast. end up at a
5: six-music festival bad, I'll be gutted.
0: <laughs> you will. Don't worry. Unless six-music goes down, because there's that whole thing... Well, yeah, there was six, six, seven, 7 years music. ago,
5: yeah. But now it's the listenership's gone back up, Yeah. thankfully. For you, as 1% of one, in, like, five or six years' time,
1: mm.
5: are there any kind of goals you'd like to tick off, like an all-day or a festival? Who knows? Like a full band tour?
0: I just want to keep <laughs> pl- plodding along, because... Uh, you know i think it's really important to have a level-headed independent promoter and that sounds kind of egotistical but i don't mind you know putting on a bunch of free shows and then you know doing a large show the next day or something i I love the diversity of doing that and um
5: and you're able to do that as well here yeah you could have something at the old england where it's like free to book out yeah. And then something at Thekla the next day.
0: Yeah, where yeah. higher fees, you know, through yeah. the roof. I, I really don't mind. I, I, I love the diversity of that. I will probably go on to do some independent festival around here and lots of showcases. And I think uh, the show, it wasn't with you, with Ledger Records when uh, Tropic played. You know, I, I love yeah. being able to give local bands that I adore a platform. But I also want to keep bringing artists from all over the yeah. world here and uh, hopefully, hopefully that the artists can get bigger and hopefully... Um, You're kind of a, a stepping stone in that journey. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. But I feel like that's a terrible answer. It's kind of no, like I mean, convoluted. I but. I,
5: if you'd have said, in five years, I want to be putting on a gig every night at the O2 Academy, I probably would have been quite surprised. Um, also, finally, the name 1% of 1. Yes. I googled it and yeah. I found a song
0: go on, who's I can't remember who it's
5: by but is is that where the name comes it from because I've always thought it's a funny name
0: yeah so when I first started it um a lot of people were sort of thinking it was some sort of political financial dig about the one percent but it's just a breezy <laughs> Stephen Malcolmist song that's that's what it is <laughs> Plain um, and simple yeah like when, like all good names <laughs> exactly you know like when you look at your favorite band names they they've all taken from another artist and uh, when we were doing releases on Art is Hard, we would always have uh, pavement uh, tributes. In in the compilations we did from day one, our first compilation was called Brink of the Clouds, which is a pavement B side. So we'd sort of go from that. And then pavement broke up and Siva Malcolmus went solo. So I thought, kind of subconsciously, I've only realized this now, but I've gone on post-pavement, to now name things after Stephen Malkmus. And you were part of the label, now you're on your own, now Stephen Malkmus is on his own. Yeah, you know, and he's succeeding, and he, I think he's got a new record coming out next week. Uh, so, yeah, he's doing his own thing, uh, and so am I. Lovely.
5: Well, thank you very much for your time, Rich. It's all good. It's been a pleasure chatting.
2: Thank you very much to Sam and Richard for that. Such a brilliant insight, for me anyway, into the music community in Bristol, and hopefully gives you guys some idea of why we're so proud to have a shop in and be a part of such a vibrant city. Events this week then and Rough Trade East. Rough Trade recommends this back for July's edition, featuring three brilliant emerging acts, including Swedish shoegaze trio Echo Ladies. At Bristol and the incredible Snapdank Calls play the store on Wednesday. If Record Store Day was anything to go by, then that is going to be bloody epic. Nottingham and on Saturday night, the store will be hosting a Nottingham Pride alternative pre-party, including live music, DJs and drag, which is going to be absolutely fab that night over in New York City and the store has a busy week courtesy of Bowery events including Marlon Craft. There should still be some tickets for the second night uh, on the Wednesday left for this if you're listening um, because the first night is sold out. Um, And then on Saturday Shannon and the Clams are in town to play the store with the Muckers. So that covers off highlights for this week but remember to keep an eye on Twitter for our gigs coming up. We've just announced uh, a bunch of slaves gigs for the UK stores. So if you haven't been aware of that uh, thus far, head over to roughtrade.com slash events and snap them up quick if you're keen. All info should be on our website, as I say, but remember you can always pop down to your local Rough Trade shop, come and grab one of us and ask us for any info or help that you might need. You know, we're always just very happy for you to come in and chat to us about anything. So come down, come hang. To play us out then, and Noonday Underground returned with new album On A Quiet Night this week. It's a soul-pop sonic collage coupled with the utterly brilliant voice of London-based vocalist Daily Marty and it was written by producer Simon Dine who has collaborated with the likes of Paul Weller, Dexys, Jimmy Goodwin, Rafferendale and a whole bunch more. This is the title track, On A Quiet Night, and this is definitely one to check out for an upbeat start to your day. See you next week. Bye!